This is Welcome to the Narthex, a weekly podcast from Langley Emanuel Christian Reformed Church. The Narthex is the gathering place between the sanctuary and the world outside. For the curious to journey in and for the disciple to journey out. Whether you're a member of our church family or just peeking in for the first time, we're here to continue the conversation, explore ideas, and build connections. No frills, just real talk about faith. Welcome to the Narthex, where faith meets real life, one conversation at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Narthex. We appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, we are once again coming from you, uh, coming to you from a very warm room in the back of the church. It's only going to get hotter and hotter too as the months go by. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm the youth pastor here at Langley Emanuel CRC, and I am joined by two very good friends of mine. Please introduce yourselves, gentlemen. I'm Josh. I run the Young Adults Ministry here. My name is Chris. I'm lead pastor here. And of course, we are here to talk about life and faith and God and church and all of those fun things. Before we get into that, though, Josh, what were you up to this weekend? Um, I went to one of the youth's hockey games. That was very fun. It was crazy. It was down to the last minute. It was very close. It was very, very exciting. It wasn't exciting. We had a whole crew of us there. There was about mm-hmm. 10, 10 youth and leaders at that game. Yeah. One of our youth hit the post with like two seconds left in the game. Yeah. It was very exciting, but very unfortunate. <laughs> Chris, what were you up to this weekend? Uh, on Sunday, we had some friends over uh, after church. We have some friends visiting. He's actually a, a pastor at another Christian Reformed church here in the Lower Mainland. Uh, and so he, his wife, and their four kids came over to our house afterwards, uh, and it was great just hanging out, having fun. We had a great time. Nice. How about you? I, You know what? I'm sitting here, and I can't remember. I don't think we did much. Sunday was fairly busy with church stuff. Saturday, I think, was just kind of a more relaxed day. I played a lot of Trouble. You know the old board game with the dice in the middle? where you, I played that a lot with my youngest daughter. Um, and I beat her almost every time. And this was the kind of Trouble that was good. It was good Trouble, yeah. She got very angry. She beat me for the last time we haven't played since. I think she's ending on a high note. So. Well, I mean, that's a smart way to play games. That's what I think. She's learning well. <laughs> Uh, we also had a fun Sunday because Sunday was Cadet Sunday, and so church mm-hmm. looked, I mean, not that different, but a little bit different. The the boys did an excellent job helping serve uh, or lead us in the offering, and a few of them led scripture, read scripture, and uh, they did some cool things. And Chris, your sermon was on their theme this year. Yeah, the theme for cadets this year is rooted and grounded, uh, coming out of Ephesians 3. Um uh, where Paul prays that the Ephesians would be rooted and grounded or established, depending on the translation you read, in the love of Christ. And so we explored that theme together, um, kind of under the, the banner or the idea that Jesus gives us faith. We experience the love of God in order that we might be rooted and grounded in his love. And so what we, we focused on is how that kind of stuff is God's work in our lives. That's what God does in the Holy Spirit. That's part of what it means for Christ to dwell in us um, and to live in the truth of God's work in shaping us and calling us his own. Yeah, and you framed it in a way that was really good. Um, you talked about how, how faith is something that we receive and that we believe and that we achieve. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought that was a helpful way to frame it because I think so often we just think about faith as something that we either have or we don't, um, but it's actually a lot more broad than that. And, and it's also in that order that it's, it is a gift you receive, as it says in Ephesians, that it is something you believe in Romans kind of takes that apart more of it is something that you actively think about, dwell on, and live out of. And then that action that you're living out of is achieved because of faith, in faith. And so, but it all has to stem from that gift first. Christ, not I, but Christ in me. Yeah, and I think sometimes um, we kind of get confused, uh, or at least in my experience, I've seen Christians get confused when, when asked, like, what is faith? Right, because we, we talk about faith kind of nebulously, ambiguously, like a feeling or a sense. Well, it turns into like Christianese almost, right? Like it's just right. like a word that we have that we use all the time, but maybe we don't know. Yeah, and and I think like there's a there's a part of faith that is a feeling, right? Um, so the, the Heidelberg Catechism for the listeners who don't know what that is, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism is a document that was crafted by the Reformed churches. Uh, in the the low land, lowlands, sort of the Netherlands, Belgium, that area, uh, and was used to sort of summarize the teachings of the Reformed faith that kind of comes out of John Calvin uh, in the 16th century. Heidelberg Catechism, one of the definitions of faith that it gives is this deep-rooted assurance planted in me by the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, there's an aspect to faith that is a feeling. There's an aspect to faith that is a sense, right, That, that that's hard to to put a name on, um, but faith is also, you know, the the faith is often how it's referred to in the scriptures, right? To to guard the deposit that was given to you, to protect the faith, right? So it's a set of ideas and doctrines and truths and propositions. Uh, the feeling of faith, the assurance, can't be separated from the propositions of faith. And that becomes really important because... It... In many ways, I think it's good to take these large conceptual ideas of theology and doctrine and, and simplify them to, to understand them better. But when we do that too often, or we try to oversimplify things like faith, that's the danger, is that faith becomes something where you either believe it or you don't. And, and then you start to quantify, well, how much faith do I have? Do I have a lot or a little? Do I need to believe harder or not? Am I believing enough or not enough? And you start spiraling into these false theologies then and start operating your lives out of honestly, just a, a worldview that isn't scriptural at all. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a really important pastoral point as well, right? Because oftentimes people, when we're, you know, quote, struggling with faith or struggling with doubt, um, we're struggling with that more emotional side of it, right? We're not experiencing the indwelling of the Spirit as we uh, maybe once were or as we think we should. Um and, and there's important discernments to go on, and why do you think that that's what it needs to look like to have faith? Um, but uh, if, if that's all we think of faith, all of a sudden um, we, we're forgetting, and, and we need to perhaps even more in those moments cling to the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. Right, and that, like Romans says, if we profess, uh, if we believe in our hearts and profess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, like that—that's it, right? The feeling thing might come later; it might be absent for a period of time, but the, the doctrinal truths of who Jesus is—that's something to cling to. But there's also a sense in which you'll only do that if it is 
You'll only say that Christ is Lord truly if it is that your heart believes it. Right. Right. It's it's not just that it's not just what you say, as James says. It's not just what the th- the words that come out of your mouth, but it is also how you live. That's the action part. That it's if if I I can say all these fancy terms and all these theologies, I can call him Lord, but on the last day he might say, I never knew you, as Jesus himself says. But if our heart lives the Christian life, which is the point you made also at the beginning of the sermon, which was, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's to live with Jesus, and that's because he lives in you. If he doesn't live in you, you can say the terms, you can say the ideas, you can say that's a nice idea, or that I like it, or that I believe it, but that isn't faith and i think that's the beauty of this too is if you oversimplify too far Mm -hmm. it becomes this belief system that you start questioning or wondering about if it's just about an emotion or a thought or a belief system those wane right we all have that feelings come and go emotions change with the tides like that's that's a human thing but if faith is something you receive first and is of christ and from christ christ is constant god is constant so then you've got some stability with which to function out of first. And then you go and believe and, and emote and think and discuss. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a, there's a necessary coming out of this idea when you start thinking about this is that anxiety that produces of do I have it, right? But it's the better idea is no, he has you. Mm. That it's not on your faithfulness it's on his faithfulness that one of my favorite passages in, in all of scripture is second timothy two thirteen, right um, if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself mm-hmm. one of the points that we made and that paul makes in this text from ephesians is that it um our relationship to God starts with His loving us and the Holy Spirit strengthening our inner being and Christ dwelling in you. And so to Timothy, when he says he cannot disown himself, right? what he's referring back to is that the, the strength that you have in your Christian faith is Christ dwelling in you. Right? It's not you, but when we make faith explicitly or exclusively an emotional reality or an experiential reality, we're actually making it about me. We're making it about my work and my ability to achieve rather than um, something I have first received and a truth that I now believe. That's so good. Well, and especially if you, this is about to be the most reformed thing I've ever said, but especially if you reduce faith to a choice, Mm. then it becomes yours. Yep. And it's not on him. Yep. But very clearly over Mm -hmm. and over and over again in Scripture... Right, like the yeah. saving faith is a gift of God, yeah, not by works, so that no man can boast. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the end of it, like those three things we talked about, I mean, that is a very important foundation with which to operate. And like you said, Josh, it needs to go in that order. Chris, you preached that Sunday mm-hmm. as well. But at the end of it, there is this, you know, faith is achieved. There is this obedience factor as well mm-hmm. uh, that comes from that. And you framed it in a really good way on Sunday, Chris. You, Chris, you talked about. Um, and for you parents out there, this will apply to you. But for you non-parents out there, this is also applicable because this is just a microcosm of an absolute truth. Um, you framed it in a way when you said, if you want parents, if you want your kids to be obedient, be that to you or be that to the Lord, don't start with rules and obedience. Start with faith. Get them, get them talking about faith. Show them examples of faith. Have conversations about faith. 
and pray that obedience follows that because again that's the rhythm or that's the the rhythm or the uh, the order that these mm-hmm. fall in mm-hmm. yeah and when you when you genuinely truly have received faith um, when you are regenerated and justified or born again whatever language you want to use when you truly have received that gift of grace uh, from God, and you uh, are struggling to believe these truths, right? And your faith is seeking understanding, to use uh, Anselm's old phrase. Um, it's going to manifest itself in a pursuit of holiness. Mm-hmm. And it's going to manifest itself in in doing the things that God has called us to do. And so when you framed it that way, I love that because you framed it. I think every parent out there, at least I would pray that every parent out there was like, oh, okay, that's a pretty good take home. But for the young adult or for the non-parent out mm. there, Josh, how does that look in their life, either individually or corporately? Yeah. Well, the beautiful illustration you gave physically uh, at the Cadet Sunday was that being rooted in faith alone is not enough, right? That you have the other members of the body that keep you grounded as well as... Uh, a tree alone in the wilderness will get blown over or destroyed, but in a forest, all the roots entangle. So not only is it deep in the ground, but they're also holding each other. Um, yeah. I just want to clarify, because mm-hmm. you uh, a moment ago said this was the most reformed thing I've ever said, and then you just came and said <laughs> it's not faith alone. But what you mean by not faith alone is that you are not alone in your faith, that yes. we're part of the body, mm-hmm. right? That... By receiving faith and believing, we belong to the Lord, we belong to His church. Um, And I think that that is the the point of that illustration of being rooted, right, is that um, we might know, Paul says in Ephesians 3, together with all the Lord's holy people. Right, and that's yeah. that's that's the context in which we live this faith and know this faith. At least that's the context um, that we do that well. Yeah, and because how how important is that in our culture right now? And again, I might I might look at you to this one, Josh, because I know I have conversations with a lot of you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one year olds who, after they've been living in the very comfortable fish tank that is high school, where you know most people, or at least you have your your comfortable social circles, they graduate from that, they get thrown into a university setting or a work setting or something like that, and all of a sudden that community is fractured and divided. And, and I've seen lots of kids either flounder, and I say kids, a lot of young adults either flounder or spiral or become paralyzed because mm-hmm. that community has shifted so much. Uh, and that's where the church can step in um, and where I pray these young people actually lean in. Well, I, I think the one of the downfalls of the modern world in killing God, so to speak, is, is that we no longer have Atlas to hold up the world. It's now on human shoulders and it's on the individual. Oh, I see what you did there with Atlas. Yeah. Um, and so we're realizing how heavy it is and that you can't do it alone, or at least you have to be a God to do it alone. (laughs) And so it requires us to give it back to God because it's too much. And to give it to him requires us to, to be humble and realize that we need each other, mm. that this is not an individual endeavor. 
Or if we're going to do it together, it's because it's God in us and you have that same image of, but then it's the God again. I, I, I love the image that you have created there um, or, or applied there because um, what we're, we're talking about is like the weight of the world around us when we mm-hmm. try to bear that on our own uh, is impossible. But the reason I love it is because um, the Hebrew word for glory, for God's glory, is weight, kavod, right? It's, it's a heaviness. And so when we take this glory and try to put it on something else, right? Or try to put it on our own shoulders, it's going to crush us. Mm-hmm. But when we when we properly place that glory and see it belonging to God alone, then all of a sudden we're free to stand up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We're free to stand tall and to stretch and to take a deep breath. And um, and that happens, the place that that happens in community. Back to your point about um, isolation and... Um, when I'm when I'm talking to young people who are moving away for school, um, I try to connect with them regularly before they go out, whether it's through pastor's class or, or moving. Um, I will say explicitly, the most important decision that no one is talking to you about right now is where you're going to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not my own. Kevin DeYoung first said that, and I learned it and heard it from him. Um, but that's holy plagiarism, 100%, because it is so important. You gave him credit. It's not plagiarism anymore. <laughs> Work cited, work cited exactly. But look, that is look in the footnotes. To your point, yeah. though, that is so important because mm-hmm. that is the question that no one asks, and I think that's something the three of us hold very, very um, high up. We we seek that out, and we I talk to youth leaders about this too. Is hey, just because your youth have graduated high school, like that that man that first month, like mm-hmm. the stats, the data just shows how important it is. The first week, the first two weeks, mm-hmm. if they're not, yeah. if people are in a new city and aren't in a church by two weeks, like it drops significantly yeah yeah it's it's almost like the the weight of human sin is is taking on the world by yourself denying god the his place and the whole christian life is him saying no you you can't do it it's not saying that i deserve it's not that uh it's not in that like petty way of I need the glory. It's that no, I'm the only one that can hold it up. <laughs> I'm the only one that the glory is too much for you. Yeah. It fits only God. Yeah. It, it is cl- yeah. it is a robe that only fits God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the amazing thing, right? And I mean we're we're digging in deep into yeah. here. When we talk about now clothing ourselves with Christ or being clothed mm-hmm. with Christ, like that that's the robe right, of mm-hmm. God's glory. When we're mm-hmm. being transformed from one degree of glory into another, that's what's happening, Yeah. right? So by giving God all the glory, we are being transformed into glorious mm-hmm. beings. Uh, and that that can only happen, and I say only, and I, I mean only, that can only happen in the context of the Christian community, because that's only happening to the bride of Christ, Mm-hmm. Right, who is being prepared to be received by the bridegroom? Yeah, and then because you asked me like, how does this affect the young adults? And I immediately went to a Greek of mythology. Course, of course, you did, John. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you did. <laughs> uh, but to to bring it down to like the level is when you lived in a small town or when you lived in a church community back in the olden days. Um, back when or, I was young, <laughs> or when you just live in interior BC, um, was you had 
people around you of varying skills, capabilities, traits, and features. And together, they could support and make up for the failings of everyone else, right? You're a good carpenter, I need a new deck. You're a good doctor, my kid's sick, right? All this. Whereas, and in the Christian life, that also played in the spiritual sense, right? Of that man's a good leader, he could teach others to lead. That man's a good, uh, he, he expresses the gift of hospitality well. He can teach others how to be hospitable. He's an example, and to bring it to your point with kids, the family, the parent, is the first part of the church that kids see. And then when you become an adult, when you, when you join youth group, you see it in youth leaders. And then when you become a young adult, you see it in the church, right? And then further in life. And then as you mature, you see it in the whole church. And then as you mature, you see it in both the church here in the world and the saints that have died before us who are now alive with Christ. And so you, there's this growing, but it's been the church the whole time. And you see it through example and how they are faithful. And so the group holds and represents Christ to each other, which is more language that we see. And the individuals that are not in churches don't have any of that. And I think that's a really good deep dive into how, you know, this faith that is uh, received, believed, and then achieved operates in mm -hmm. the body, like operates corporately. And in fact, only happens, like you said, Chris, in, in the body. Um, what I think is another thing worth maybe touching on today, even in the next five minutes, uh, is you used another example in your sermon, Chris, about this biome that was... Um, what biome was it? Biosphere 2. Biosphere 2, done in like the yeah. 90s, 80s? Uh, it was constructed in the late 80s, early 90s, and the experiment, the first experiment and the only experiment uh, that was run out of it was from 91 to 93. There you go. And the, the idea was we're going to create this biome, uh, it's going to be shut off from all the world, and we're going to yeah. see what we can grow so that when we end up on Mars or the moon or... Some other terraformed planet. Some, yeah. yeah. Some sort of closed habitats yeah. requiring yeah. systems. And so it was the idea of creating a small version of Earth. So Earth has everything it needs to sustain living. It has all the oxygen, the zinc, and, and there isn't a single amount of any element that is out of order. Yeah. Everything is perfect. And so what ended up happening in this biome yeah. is these trees, they grew... Mm -hmm. incredibly fast because everything in that biome was perfect for them. Like it was, there was no stress, there was no tension mm -hmm. and these trees grew beautifully uh, until a certain point when they just kind of fell over because they had no roots. There was no need to yeah. dig down. They could all just grow up. Right. Yeah. And so what it turns out is that in nature, uh, wind and storms and stresses on an ecosystem strengthen the ecosystem. So it causes uh, roots that are, or trees that are, that have to search out for water rather than have a drip irrigation system right at their mm -hmm. base. Um, that causes them to, to, to search out further, to dig down deeper, to uh, be more rooted and grounded in the soil uh, as it seeks those things out. Um, trees themselves, as they are blown by the wind or as they are searching and, and stretching and reaching to try to find the sunlight, it creates um, tension wood or stress wood in the, the growth the Cambrian brings of the tree as it grows. Um, and that makes it stronger, makes it able to stand if wind comes, makes it able to endure if there's an earthquake or something of the like. And so the, the stress 
of the environment is actually critical for becoming stronger or becoming more deeply rooted. And I think that's what we need to talk about real quick here today is because it was Cadet Sunday, you hit the point, it was good. Um, but again, you've got these, you know, grade three to grade seven boys sitting in front of you. So you're not going to talk about stress and anxiety and, and the worldly pressures that they're going to mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. too deeply with them. Um, and yet it is such a countercultural cultural message because if anything right now, our culture is... A, it's very anxious, um, but B, it's also doing everything in its power to remove all tension and anxiety from the world in which we live. Well, and that's the point that God's speech in the book of Job gets, is that each of these things that he talks about, these apparent chaotic, destructive tensions or stresses that we experience, appear awful, but when you add purpose, right, the stress and the pressure is is not good by itself. But when you add purpose, like the fact that the wind makes the tree stronger, it builds up. It's beneficial. And sometimes, like in Job, that goes beyond our capability of understanding. It goes a little bit too out of our head. And that's because we're trying to take on the world again. And so I guess my question then is this, and I'll just pose it and see mm-hmm. where this goes. My operating opinion of the world in which we live right now is that stress is something that is always bad and needs to be discussed and is the cause of only bad things. And therefore, we need lots of self-care and self-help to remove that from our lives. And anxiety is the same thing. Like tension, anxiety mm-hmm. shares that quality. It is only bad We need to figure out how to either cope with it or rid ourselves of it. But when I hear this and see this as an example, and when I read this text about being grounded and rooted in Jesus' love, that clashes. Mm -hmm. Do we agree? Carefully, I want to agree, right? Like there's, there's, you know, clinical anxiety and clinical depression, and there's all sorts of reasons why people are experiencing that. And so don't want to minimize those realities for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when stress and pressure are too much, it does crush you. Well, I think that's where this this conversation needs to go, is this is not a conversation Mm -hmm. that all anxiety and all stress is good. Um, Sometimes the storm will crack the tree in half. But the pendulum (laughs) cannot live on either end. Maybe that's what we're getting at here. Well, and... And so here, here, there, here's the reality, right? Like, Jesus very clearly says, in this world, you will have trouble... And so we will face pressures and stresses and anxieties. We will face persecution, right, for what we believe. Things aren't always going to be easy. And in fact, it is a, a, a cheap Christianity and a cheap gospel that promises you a good life as a result of believing in Jesus, right? This kind of prosperity idea is not what Jesus taught. Yeah. The gospel does not lead to happiness. Right. In fact... Those who want to live holy lives will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. We're, we're told that very clearly. Um, but when Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, he also says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Preach. Mm-hmm. And so when we face trouble, our hope is not in the relief of that anxiety or necessarily the relief of that stress, but in the one who has overcome the world. Right? Our... our 
all of our struggles and pressures and, and hardships, uh, to use the, the language of Hebrews, we can endure hardship as discipline because he is treating us as children. He's, he is shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so tension is a necessary thing. As long as um, we are recognizing that a sovereign God will give it purpose. But without a sovereign God, mm-hmm. and suffering is meaningless. Yeah. Without a sovereign God, there's no purpose to it, um, and then that's hopeless. And if we're going to be anxious about anything, be anxious about that. And it's, But it's also, keep in mind, is that like this is for the end goal. Right. Which is the new creation. And so t- suffering won't be a part of that. There will be, you know, we'll still be alive. So there'll still be the necessary little things. It'll be difficult sometimes, but it won't, we won't suffer. It'll be difficult sometimes, but we won't, there won't be that weeping in loss. And so there's the, the, the happiness and joy we're looking for that removal of pain does eventually come, but it requires you to get, you have to get through tension to get there. You have to go through the yeah. pain to yeah. get there. Yeah. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, mm-hmm. it doesn't grow, right? Like the the path to this eternal joy mm-hmm. is through suffering in this life. Um, and that's okay because Jesus suffered and we join in his sufferings and he came out on the other side. If we, if we join him in his death, how much more will we not join him in his life? Well, and I think the final image that is continuing with our theme is, is that to make a diamond out of coal, it needs to be crushed by the pressure of the earth. Yeah. Well, and I think this is a conversation that to do it justice, we'd need another mm-hmm. 45 minutes. And so yeah. I think maybe just landing on on that is where is our purpose? Who is our God? Like, you know, hopelessness is is a true anxiety for sure. And, and maybe the job that we have as people and as God's images, image bearers in this creation that he's given us is to prayerfully discern when we are feeling stressed, when we are feeling anxious, is this a healthy anxiety? Is this a healthy uh, stress that I need to persevere through? Or is this something that, yes, I need to learn how to sort of rid out of my life? Well, and let me just bring it full circle. Um, and we can land here for this morning. Um, yes prayerfully discern is this something is this something that i need to process and how will i do that but don't do that alone yes right um if you know me you've heard me quote these uh things regularly but dietrich bonhoeffer in his little book life together which i think for christian leaders uh, is just a book you need to read um but dietrich bonhoeffer talks about how the heart of christ in a brother or sister is stronger than the heart of christ in me are in yourself. And so when you are facing anxiety or suffering or tension, go to a brother or sister who can help you see Christ more clearly, who can help you experience the love of Christ in a way that you just can't in that moment because of whatever it is you're going through, right? Rely on one another, and that's how God reveals himself to us. That's how we see Christ dwelling in our midst. And that does bring us full circle today. Before we sign off, let's give a few moments in mission over this last week. Josh, what's something that you saw? The youth and the young adults accidentally planned skating at the same time, same place. 
Same day. And so we purposefully went together. <laughs> yep. Um, In both of those circumstances, I hear the word providentially. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Lord is always in control, even when we roll dice, as the Proverbs say. Uh, another uh, Reformed proverb from <laughs> Joshua Chamberlain. <laughs> Just spewing them today. Uh, that, that one's Solomon. That one's Solomon, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, the, we like to quote that a lot. That's, yeah, the skating was great. The cross-generational. How about you, Kevin? What did you see this weekend? Yeah, we had coldest night of the year on Saturday, which was an absolute uh, blast. Our church, after Chris's plea on Sunday, actually is now officially um, the highest donating group for coldest night of the year for Gateway Hope. So good job, Langley Manual CRC. Top of the charts. You betcha. And it was just a fun walk. We had a lot of people show up. I got to talk to a bunch of uh, people from our church and even other churches uh, and community there. It was, uh, I would say, a successful evening all around. And you, Chris, what did you see? Uh, I also participated in Coldest Night Year, and I would agree. It was a lot of fun. It always is every year. Um, and actually, I'm looking forward to this evening. We are having a gathering of leaders and volunteers. Um, part of our volunteer base is structured around something we call the Ministry and Mission Table, which is uh, the group of people who serve in various capacities. Tonight, we are gathering those who serve in the worship ministries areas of our church and life together uh, for training and for encouragement and for discussions about how we do that well. And I'm really looking forward to that. I hope and pray that that will be a good time together. Before we sign off, Josh, what's something you're excited to be doing in this coming week? Ooh, uh, Bible studies coming up. Nice. In Colossians. Sweet. Chris, what about you? What are you looking forward to this week? Uh, this week is a full week because next week is Classes, uh, which is the regional gathering of Christian Reformed churches. Uh, and I play a leadership role in Classes, so I've got lots of stuff on the docket in preparation for that. Nice. Nice. Well, it sounds like we've got some good things coming up down the road as well. But for now, as we step out of the narthex into everyday life, we just pray that you'll keep the conversations about faith going with the people around you. Thanks again for joining us this week. On behalf of Chris and Josh, this is Kevin saying God bless and go in peace. We'll see you on Sunday.